0: This is the Heartland Daily Podcast.
1: Welcome listeners to another Voices of Vapor Vapor's podcast series where we discuss tobacco harm reduction including electronic cigarettes and vaping devices. These are THR products and they've been subject to numerous local, state, and federal regulations, taxations, and actually in some cases, um, prohibition of these products. Approximately three million vapors have used electronic cigarettes to quit smoking combustible cigarettes. And I'm assuming that all you guys who are listening know all about the e-cigarettes. But if you don't, if you, don't you can always check out um, Heartland's work. And you can also check out the work of our guest today. Today, I got Andrew Osborne, who's the vice president of the New York State Vapor Association. It's NYSVA. It's an advocacy organization that represents more than 700 New, York's, uh, New York State vaping businesses. And um, it has over 2,700 employees in these businesses. Their board of directors consists um, of uh, they. Their well, the board of directors advises researchers, legislators, government agencies, and industry stakeholders holders on local, state, federal, and international issues. Andrews is also president and co-founder of Vapor Trails Electronic Incorporation, one of the first retail stores in New York. He's co-chair of the New York chapter, or he was co-chair of the New York Smoke Free Al, uh, Smoke Free Alternatives Trade Association, or SFA, in 2015, and was elected to the, their national board in 2016. Prior to the vaping industry, um, Andrew worked with the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and other government agencies, and he also has a federal license and customs brokerage. Uh, Thank you for joining us today, Andrew.
2: Well, thank you for having me.
1: So I always ask this question, how did you get involved in vaping?
2: Well, I guess it's always the same answer. Um, (laughs) I was a smoker. I, I had smoked for about 15 years with a few periods in there where I tried quitting with various other methods to varying degrees of success. But a friend of mine had found these primitive electronic cigarette (laughs) products in a a smoke shop and he sort of was putting the grease on me for a while before I finally gave it a try. And um, I think the most important thing about my story as far as my transition from smoking to vaping is that I am like the case study of someone who absolutely needed flavored vapor products in order to make the switch. Really? And similarly similarly to, to the average customer that comes in my store, I really wanted a tobacco flavor that tasted like a cigarette. And so I struggled for months. Even as we discussed starting a business, I was still dual using and smoking the occasional cigarette because these tobacco flavors just weren't, Doing it for me. And when I finally made that switch and stopped completely smoking cigarettes and became a full time vaper, so to speak, it was only with the assistance of things like green apple and pineapple and some of the other flavors that I still vape to this day, like, you know, seven years later.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. And so I personally, okay, so I'm a dual user myself, and I know I can't really stand the tobacco-flavored products at all anymore when I was kind of using it sparingly. So you still vaping Green Apple to this day? Was that your flavor that got you to switch completely?
2: It certainly is.
1: Okay. That's always a question I have to ask for people. I know um, Vicki out here in Illinois, uh, she hers was peach. The peach flavor was the big
2: one. <laughs> All right. And one of the big things that, that also encompasses me, I know we're going to talk about flavors and oh, all the yeah. New York State and the government stuff, but for me personally as a vapor, you know, part of my story and that transition is I don't think it would have worked if I just had one flavor. Okay. Because even to this day, after all these years, if I vape the same flavor for maybe two to three weeks at most, I start to become immune to it. I can't taste it 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 becomes completely muted and then I'm, I'm wanting to be able to taste my nicotine replacement product and I can't taste it at all anymore and it's equivalent to if you ate the same candy every day or you know how a guy who pumps out outhouses can't smell his own farts it's actually scientifically called olfactory fatigue and we have signs up in our store that explains that to customers because we get a lot of issues where people can't taste their flavor anymore So, I mean, I'm just making the point where for me and and for smokers in general who are making this switch, not just off flavor is important, but that ability to have variance in the product is very important. The reason that flavors are necessary is because when you stop smoking, you begin to be able to taste things again. Mm -hmm. And that's one argument that's never really made in this, even though we all know that, you know, once you stop smoking, it, it's a totally different world of tasting flavors in foods and beverages and everything else. So it goes the same with this, where you sort of need that just to be able to continue to use your product.
1: Yep. No, exactly. Um, exactly. So, Okay. Um, and we were we are, we will get back to flavors. Um, I do want to talk about um NYSVA and what, some of the things you guys have worked on in like 2018. I know I, we follow Heartland, we do follow legislation. I know there was numerous bills that went up um, between taxation. I know there's a Senate bill sitting there that's um you know it is proposing banning flavors and tobacco products and including electronic cigarettes. Could you talk about the work the organization did in 2018?
2: Certainly. Um, I mean, going back to the 2017 session, there was a variety of bills on the table, just like what we're looking at, you know, what we looked at last year, what we're looking at again this year. The, even before we st- we started the New York State Vapor Association, I was involved with the state chapter of CIFADA, the National Association. And so we've been tracking and, and traveling to Albany for Um, you know six or seven (laughs) sessions now and and the fact is for for about five years at least if not longer there has been some version of a flavor ban on the table it just wasn't until last year when that bill actually started to grow legs so to speak and move through the committee process and actually look like they may be trying to ban flavors so Mm -hmm. banning flavors is just one of many things that have been on the back burner including bottled e-liquid bans, um, all different types of things re- revolving around marketing or the bans of online sale. I mean, there, there's generally 20 to 30 bills to regulate vapor products on the table for the New York State Legislature each year lately. Wow. So that's pretty much what we're up against. Um, but we ha- we have been able to have our voice heard, which is really important. And I think we're starting to establish credibility In Albany to the point where they're coming to us for guidance on some of these things or at least to to hear our opinion and what the impact of these things will be to the industry and that's really what's most important because you know our our association is here to defend the businesses but at the root of that we're defending the businesses so that the smokers have available options so that they can quit smoking you know
1: yeah no, I think that's a big important part of, uh, of it. So I a question, they wanted to ban the bottles of e-liquid, so like, they'd still let the vaping devices, the mods, and the you know, systems out there, but you couldn't get the liquid for it?
2: Yeah, and that's how this goes at a variety of levels, from local all the way to federal, is that they've tried to use many different versions of what would amount to de facto bans. Where they can say that they're not actually banning the product, but it would leave the consumer in such a place where they would have to break the law in order to obtain all the things they need legally, or they would be, you know, violating some law just by possessing it.
1: Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. What is the tax? uh, And I'm not that well versed in it. I should be. That's my apologies. What is the tax um, scheme for uh, e-cigarettes in New York State?
2: Well, currently, there's no tax okay. in New York State on vapor products. I don't know if we should say and that, that out loud on a podcast. That's that we've been battling yeah. hard as an association. Okay. <laughs> that is, every year, we've been down there educating them on why these tax structures that they're trying to put in place would completely eliminate all of our businesses, essentially.
1: Yeah. Now, there's a, they're subject to a sales tax, though, Correct.
2: Yeah, we, we do pay sales tax, and that's the argument that we're making. If you put us all out of business, you're going to be losing out on millions and millions of dollars just simply in the sales tax. But the, um, the, the problem that New York State has with the taxation is they're looking to be very aggressive, and they're also looking to use a structure that would greatly benefit the big tobacco companies in convenience stores and put, in, put a, an exponential burden on the small businesses
0: like mine.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: The Heartland Institute has ramped up our video production in 2018, and we wanted to let you know about the first two weekly series you should be checking out on Heartland's YouTube channel. The first is called Two Minutes with Tim, starring new Heartland Institute president Tim Heelskamp. Dr. Heelskamp weighs in on the hot news story of the week from a free market perspective, or an issue that's important to advancing our shared mission of smaller government and more individual liberty. Tim has commented on the fake polar bear scare, the left's attempt to take over the Internet via net neutrality, school choice advancements across the country, defending the Second Amendment, and more. Hartlett is also producing a new series called Flashes of Freedom, which applies free market principles to real-world situations. Videos we've already produced have featured freedom champions, such as Steve Forbes, Matt Kibbe, John Stossel, Dan Proft, Joe Walsh, John Lott, and more. Go to YouTube and search for the Heartland Institute or go right to Heartland Tube and subscribe to our channel. You'll get a notification of every new release so you never miss a timely and professionally produced episode of our new video series. Go to YouTube and search for Heartland Institute today.
1: Okay, so now, now this this is going to be the fun part of the podcast. Um, Governor Andrew Cuomo um, has decided to ban flavors in e-cigarettes, and I'm assuming and tobacco products. Um, and there, then there's also this bill in the state senate. Now, this is also coming at the time, and we need to uh, explain to our listeners that when the FDA is in- introducing a ban on flavored. Uh, flavored uh pods other than tobacco mint and menthol and convenience stores and their um, flavored uh, e-cigarette products will be restricted to um, age uh, restrictive um shops such as tobacco stores or vape shops you let's talk about this and I, you got a battle ahead of you at least the the association does
2: yeah and you, you pretty much line it up right there our our first battle is with all the confusion that was instantly caused by New York State announcing almost simultaneously with the FDA two completely different announcements about banning flavored vapor products. Yep. So, and and the the Department of Health, their proposal was actually withdrawn.
1: Yeah, I saw and that.
2: And we don't have anything hundred percent certain on that other than that they said it was for legal review, but, um, the understanding that I've been given is that they cannot propose a law in that manner when the bills are already on the table with our elected officials in the Senate and in the assembly, they've been considering this for years. So they can't just, the department of health can't just go over the top, Okay. of of the elected officials and and pass a law essentially, but there's no um, real clear indication if there's also maybe legal problem with the wording because the the way that the law is written, the one that was proposed and then rescinded, it would have been an all-out prohibition on flavored vapor products, including the transport, so that if someone was just traveling through New York State with a small bottle of e-liquid, they would be you know, they could be committing a misdemeanor or worse, depending on the volume of the liquid and such. Oh, wow. Which means that that even businesses in New York State wouldn't be able to produce, even to sell outside of New York State or outside of the country. It would put all big manufacturing in New York State out of business, including all the small shops. Yeah. It would just completely decimate the entire industry, and it would essentially make it illegal to vape in New York State Unless you were vaping a tobacco or menthol flavored product.
1: Oh wow! Okay, that's a little bit imposing. Um, and now that the, the that doesn't uh, that doesn't apply to tobacco or like combustible cigarettes. Were they banning menthol as well?
2: The New York State proposal was only on vapor products.
1: Oh wow! So okay. the New York
2: State proposal is, is going to have nothing to do with cigarettes. And that's the <laughs> that's the terrible part about all of this. Yeah. Every time something happens the deadly combustible cigarette products sit proudly unaffected. Yep. You know, and, 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 and the sad reality is the more that they continue to regulate, even in small ways, the more they are shifting the public perception to think that vaping is smoking. So for example, in New York state, we fought, we fought aggressively against the clean indoor air legislation, and we wound up losing that battle. But in the end, we were able to have them at least separate out the language so that vaping is classified as a separate activity from smoking. And there was a very, you know, it was a long process to get that done, but the way they had it originally written was said, was le- to legally define vaping as smoking so that they didn't have to rewrite the rest of the yeah. clean indoor air act.
1: Oh Yeah, well, you say that a lot, too, where that, I don't know, I was talking with the, how FDA is handling everything that they're pretty much – somebody sat here and told me earlier today, copy and paste, copy and paste. So whatever they've regulated tobacco and combustible cigarette products as, they're going to copy and paste that for uh, electronic cigarettes and vaping devices.
2: Yeah, and we need to start looking at harm reduction, which is what this is, Yep. in a way where we're going to regulate it based on the level of risk. Yeah. I mean it's completely it's completely out of control at all levels and when they can't get something going they just move to the lowest local level that they need to and start passing that regulation there only to turn around and go back up to the state level or higher and say a majority of the population is now covered by this we need to pass it at the state level and make everything uniform. I mean it's 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 just completely it's a shame that they're working so hard to prevent people from quitting smoking that's essentially what it is in the long run
1: yep no it it's it's very infuriating i know i scream at my computer a lot of times and every time a new statement comes out now um all right so we this whole new proposal now the senate bill that's it's that one too only applies to vaping products no it does not apply to combustible cigarettes have all the have all the um, proposed flavor bans only applied to vaping products that have been go- going up I guess you said the past six sessions
2: yeah the, the, I mean when I'm referring to the, the bills those are all o- those are all essentially vapor only bills okay. I mean don't don't quote me on that because there might be something in there that does rope cigarettes in on some new regulation that I'm not you know that I'm not totally aware that cigarettes are on that bill but that that when I say there's 20 to 30 bills on the table each session, those are all bills that are very specific to vaping. And some of them are, are, are kind of duplicate of each yeah. other where they're trying different ways <laughs> to do the same thing, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, and
2: and, and, and the, <laughs> the problem is, you know, our, our businesses, for the most part, are small. They're micro businesses. You know what I mean? Our, most of our business owners were first time business owners, myself included. So it's, it's very disheartening, but it's, it's almost like impossible for these people to imagine. You know, we, we started these businesses because we quit smoking and we saw this as an opportunity to help others quit smoking. And one of the first things they did was come in and say, you're not allowed to tell people that you can help them quit smoking. Yeah. Long before the FDA. You know, you can't make a claim like that on a product because quitting smoking is a medical condition or whatever. So you're not even allowed. We, we have never been allowed to say that as long as we've sold these products. And a lot of people have done it or never knew that. A lot of people continue to do it to this day, knowing that the FDA has now banned any truthful claims about these products. But now we're all these first time business owners who are scared to death. We're losing our businesses. We can't help people anymore. And we can't even tell the truth. Yeah. And we're supposed to be like experts in the government so that we can go up against their big tobacco strategy. It's just, it's completely uh, off the rails.
1: Yes. No. And I give you guys, I give, I, I've, I I immersed myself uh, when I came to Heartland and e-cigarettes and vaping. I was the residential smoker in GR. So they're like, oh, you got to be in here. You can do this. But what I found was was amazing. As you're right, first time small business owners that yes, the whole product, I don't even, most vape shop owners that I've met aren't even in the business to make a profit. They're in the business to help people quit smoking. But then they've been assaulted with local, state, and then federal regulations. I mean, it's amazing that y'all still have the passion and I guess the tenacity to still put up with everything, every, every, you know, wake up every morning. There's another onslaught. There's something coming at you.
2: And there's so many good minds in this industry. There's so many um, professors and doctors and, and, and people who are now experts in, in vaping and electronic cigarette products of all kinds. And they never get any, chance to say anything. They never get to argue a doctor on CNN. We never get a a piece on vice land about vaping, even though they have a whole channel that's about marijuana. It's like, how is that possible? Yeah. I mean, they they put us on the news just because they know that, that vaping it it, like it's a trigger. It it, it elicits emotion. It's they use it as an entertainment piece to get hits on their website. Yet they won't give us any type of platform to ever tell the truth. Yep,
1: the, the, you know the,
2: that that right there is is where we're at. And now with this FDA flavor ban, where they're going to ban all flavored electronic cigarettes nationwide in any convenience stores or facilities that aren't adult only, essentially. That at, at its face, to people like me, to the vape shop. It could be easy to see that and say, well, that's going to push business to us or, or, you know, people don't quit at the convenience store anyway. What difference does that make? But the fact is, like, this isn't about us. It's not about the vape shops. It's not about the convenience stores. It's about the smokers. Yep. And the smoker, the, the, the smoking rates are dropping still and vapors are picking this up every day because the availability of products is way better than it used to be. The, the reliability of products is way better than it used to be. The functionality of products is way better than it used to be. And all of those things are barred by the FDA now. Yep. We're not allowed to make our products better anymore. We're not allowed to make them safer anymore. If a company had to recall a product, they wouldn't be able to fix the problem with it because it's illegal
1: yep oh, unless they go through the pre-market tobacco application process and then spend millions of dollars. Um, I know I've talked to companies that were talk, especially with the youth use the youth, you know usage that everyone seems to be hawking on right now. I mean, these companies have a technology that could put a Bluetooth lock on these products and keep kids from using them and can't put it out there unless FDA approves it.
2: Well, I was just a regular shop owner. I opened my – well, I I started my business back in 2010 at a flea market, which is also a very common story with a lot of people, especially people who have been doing this for a long time. But there's a lot of smokers at flea markets and racetracks and other places. So we were out in the world trying to help people quit smoking years ago and not worrying about the government coming after us. And now, like, not only are we not ready, but there's just – There's so much from all the different levels that the shop owners now, they don't, they don't know what to do. They don't even know how to help. And a lot of people are getting active, but you know, four years, four or five years ago, I was sitting here at my shop with my head in the sand, basically waiting for the marshals to come. And then they did that bottled e-liquid ban and that snapped me in a hurry. And I went down to New York city and met up with the people who were already fighting and, and got active, you know, but not everyone's going to do that. It's yeah. just like we we have so many businesses out there that are going to be affected by this, and some of them don't even know. Some of the shop owners probably don't even realize that this New York State thing is going to affect them because of the confusion with the FDA announcement at the same time. So there's, there's vape shop owners who are at risk of losing their business, and they think that it only affects convenience stores, which is a totally different law that's in Washington, D.C. and not in Albany. Yep. And I don't know if they did that by design, but I'm the kind of person where I think I've just laid out to you that I can't help as a first-time business owner to think that all of this is by design to crush vaping so that people keep smoking. Yeah, Because the most addictive thing in the entire world, I think, is tobacco taxes to our government.
1: That's very true. I uh, And thankfully, the, the two ballot initiatives this year did not pass or whatnot. But yeah, they don't. I, I think I've I had less than 3% of any of the tobacco funding, like between the master settlement agreement and um, tobacco taxes, goes to actual cessation, goes to fill coffers and, and budget shortfalls.
2: I mean, there's just so many layers to all of this. And I, I mean, I love to talk about the New York State flavor ban thing, but like the fact that they rescinded it and that there was different language on the table last year we don't even know if if they're going to bring back the language from last year or combine it with this new language or have to make something different it's all just speculative and up in the air right now but with this fda thing one really relevant point to be made is when you go to the areas with the highest concentrations of smokers you tend to have the lowest concentrations of vape shops yeah And in our industry, a lot of people talk about the rural. You know, you go out to the rural areas, there's not a lot of vape shops out there, so people are going to be losing access to flavored vapor products out there. But I look at it the opposite. I look at it from the urban perspective. And my shop right here in Buffalo is kind of what most people would consider in the hood. But I've talked for years about opening more stores in worse neighborhoods where everybody smokes. And one of the things... It's funny, I was just looking looking for this before um, we, we did this interview, because uh, one of the things that came out right after I went to New York City and got activated in this advocacy fight for the first time, right after that, I think it, it was about a week to the day, something from you guys came out, and the title of it is called E-Cigarettes Poised to Save Medicaid Billions. Yep. And if you look at this paper... That I still hand out to legislators to this day. Thank you. You don't even need to read it. You don't even need to read it. You just need to look at the charts, and it almost makes you cry when you look at the difference in the smoking rates between people, the the regular population, and people on Medicaid. Yep. In New York State, right here. I mean, this is 2011. The numbers here: the smoking rate was 18 percent regular population. The smoking rate for people on Medicaid was 54 percent. Yep. And, 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 and I thought as I got my feet wet with this whole fight, I thought this paper, this type of information was going to be all we would need. Uh, you Verifiable would think. <laughs> proof. we proof. Now we have the – this was before we really had the science. You know what I mean? Yep. Now we have the science. We have the proof from all different angles as far as industry and money and, and health. And, and they just are continuing to steamroll us from all angles.
1: Yeah, no. I thought it was ironic. That I know that uh, uh, Montana had a tobacco tax ballot initiative that also included a tax on e-cigarettes, and it was to fa- it was to pay for Medicaid expansion. Um, well, to get rid of the sunset date or whatever. And I was like, this is amazing. Like this is ass backwards a legislation. You you're taxing a product that could actually save you money in Medicaid. But okay, they don't really listen to the reduced harm. Um, I think in big. Na- I think that regulatory agencies and the powers that be on the anti-smoking have done a really good job demonizing electric uh, electronic cigarettes and vaping devices and putting up this youth re- this youth argument and everything and they're minimalizing the amount of adult vapors who have used this these products to quit I think the only one stat that I can find is yes out of like three million vapors have quit smoking cigarettes using e-cigarettes I mean it's it's a phenomenal it's, and it's not enough because we still have like 37 million people smoking cigarettes in this country.
2: Yep. And at, at least probably some, somewhere between 5 and 15 more million of those people that are still smoking are already dabbling and vaping. Yep. And every day when they turn on the news and there's a, a hit piece on us or when they hear about some regulation that's being passed to protect public health, those people are being discouraged from making a decision that could literally save their life.
1: Yeah. No, it, it's very unfortunate. And like you would mentioned, when you're I with the earlier, you know, I think the deeming regulations that the biggest disservice is that you're not allowed to tell, you know, let's say, you know, Joe comes in here, he's smoking two packs a day. You can't even tell him about the reduced harm of these products that, you know, Royal College of Physicians, Public Health England have found these to have, you know, less than 5% of the harm from combustible cigarettes.
2: Yep. It, and, and not only that, but I'm not even sure to what level we're allowed to tell them about our own personal experiences. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, 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 and it's like, we, we want, we want to get in uh, part of what, what we wanted to do when we formed the New York state vapor association was have a legitimate registered and recognized association that would fight for all the businesses and the vapors, throughout all of New York state. Mm-hmm. But what it almost immediately turned into was we needed to organize into how do we battle county fights? What are we going to do about New York city? And now we're, we're, I mean, New York city is a total disaster <laughs> uh-huh. right now. They passed a law that makes it illegal to ever open a vape shop ever again, pretty much.
1: Oh, really? Wow. Yeah.
2: Like they had a registration process that went went through a few months ago and it's uh, the deadlines are already up you had to register your vape store. If you didn't already have a vape store, you could not apply for a license. So they froze it at that amount that of vape stores that were on the market when the law went into effect. All those people registered for licenses, hopefully some of them may not have, but all those people registered for licenses and now they are included in a cigarette law that works the same way, which is no new licenses will be issued until the number of issued licenses is cut in half.
1: Oh, wow.
2: So what that really means in layman's terms, they passed a law to cut the number of tobacco outlets in New York City. They want to they go from about 9,000 to about 4,500 through attrition. If you close your business, the license goes away. hmm They also included vapor products that have less than a hundred dedicated vapor businesses and passed the same law. So we are already at a great disadvantage. Oh my God. 100 vape shops, 9,000 smoke shops. You will never be able to open a vape shop in New York city in any of the five boroughs until that number drops to less than 50 vape shops. And then they will one at a time offer licenses out as other vape shops close. And at the end of the day, they're going to be happy with having 4,500 smoke shops and 50 vape shops. That's their goal with this law. Oh, wow. And that's not pending. That's in effect, like I said, people have already lost their businesses because they didn't apply for a license. Oh, Jesus. And it's like the flight just gets get, gets bigger and bigger, and there's only so much that, that we can do. Yeah. You know, and, and in some cases, big tobacco is directly – against us and clearly even if we were all together every single business and every vapor was fighting like like I am and like a lot of the people you interview on this show do even if every single person was fighting we still wouldn't have the money and the power that big tobacco has
0: or yeah. big
2: pharma you know i mean we're, we're we're up against like the biggest forces in the government and we're just these little guys who tried to help people quit smoking
1: I mean, little guys who tried to help people quit smoking, and you came up with the product yourself. I've always sat here and seen vaping to be a very consumer-driven, you know, revolution. And in, in terms of you know cigarette smoking and tobacco harm reduction, it did not come. I hate these stories that they're like, oh well, vaping is just big tobacco's new playbook. It did not come from big tobacco. Big tobacco did not get involved with this till like five, six years after this had already been on the market.
2: Yep. Vaping is not big tobacco. Vaping is the consumer-led solution yep. to the big tobacco epidemic. And there's been a lot of talk about that with the flavors and such that we have an, uh, an epidemic in our youth. I'm here to tell you that that narrative is completely false in every possible way. Yep. For starting, the definition of an epidemic usually involves significant death, like the plague was yep. an epidemic. Yep. yeah. The For opioid them to crisis. classify this using that wording is so misleading to the public. And yes. at the end of the day, that epidemic that they're describing, if you look at the daily users, youth use daily, and then you look at that number compared to the number of our youth who are abusing prescription painkillers, the kids that are using painkillers is four times as many as the kids who are vaping just about every day. Yeah. But 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 that's not an epidemic.
1: Yeah, of course not. I, I know, I've looked up you it. Know, and, I've looked up how FDA's like if you go and look up how much they, like if you go Google or go on FDA's website and type in e-cigarettes, there's like almost 400 results. You t- uh, type in opioids, like less than 90 results.
2: Yep. But what do we do about it? You know, I mean, all, all I can do, is what I try to do every day and that's get more people involved yeah we don't you know our, our our association like you said at the top we represent the over 700 businesses that are vapor dedicated in New York State and that's an estimate because businesses come and go every day but that's what we estimate as of our uh, when we did our survey last year that there's over 700 businesses but our membership is significantly smaller than that. We we're we're at about um, I think 60 or so member companies, and uh, you know as, as much as I'd love to have 700 businesses all coming together, and 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 working together for common sense regulations in New York State, I know that that's that that's a pipe dream. Yeah. So what I really try to do, regardless of pe- people's level of interest, is get them motivated, bring that passion back out that they had when they first started setting people up with starter kits and let them know like they're taking this stuff away. And, and this program is called uh, Voices of Vapors, and that couldn't be more relevant right now because there's not enough voices from people like me. There's not enough voices from all the shop owners, and we're going to have to activate our customers. We're going to have to activate those vapors to start telling their story to politicians and to the news and to anyone else that will listen, because we're getting dangerously close to the point where this product's going to go off the market for a period of time, and that's going to be really bad for smokers going forward.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, you gave one of my questions. I was just—I was going to ask you what would be your advice to anyone listening to the show, and make sure if your customers ever want to get on a podcast with me, I would love to have you know any antidote evidence of you know people who these are life-saving products for them. I've met so many people, and I think it's very important to get the adult message out there the adult vaping you know this is not a youth epidemic this is a tobacco harm reduction tool that has like saved people's lives and it's the only thing that's gotten people to quit smoking after 40 plus years i and for public health agencies to thwart it is unbelievable to me um did you i i do want to ask where listeners can find out more about the new york state vapor association and also more with your work with safata
2: oh absolutely um The New York State Vapor Association website is nysva.org. and we're also on Facebook and Twitter. Um, I do some live streaming, and we're we're producing some videos that have some messaging about the flavor ban and the tax issues, and we're going to continue to do that. Um, So uh, the Facebook is the best place to follow our our updates and our announcements and such, And, and you can find us on there by just searching for the New York State Vapor Association um, as far as your, your last question there, I do have a, a bit of advice to leave people with. And I know that um, a, a good portion of this audience is, is in our vaping community. So I, what I'd like to do is just encourage everyone to um, take a look at your state association. Um, if you're a business owner specifically, uh, the states are, are kind of all moving in their own ways and at their own pace and like I was describing, when you when you get into county issues and city issues, a lot of that, um, it really needs to be handled by people in the state, by professionals um, in the state who can who know how the laws work and, and are set up properly to have their voice really heard. Yeah. And as far as just the average vapor, the consumer, if you're not already signed up for CASA, the consumers, the uh, excuse me. The Consumer Advocates for Smoke Free Alternatives, that's casa .dot org. You need to sign up. Yep. You know, there's millions of vapors out there, and we only have, well, I think, 200,000 people that are signed up as members. It's free, and they you can put your story on there and share it with thousands of other people, and maybe someday those stories will actually help us to win these great battles that we have but if there's just vapors out there that are concerned and feeling kind of hopeless and helpless the best thing you can do is connect with Kasa because Kasa is going to let you know when these battles come to your area they have a, they have an email system where they notify people and like i said they took all those testimonials over 10,000 of them and they printed them out and walked them into the FDA during this process when the regulations were coming down. Yep. So at some point, somewhere along the way, someone in the FDA had to read right. all of those personal stories about people's transition away from deadly cigarettes. And and we're going to continue to need more of that. If we could get that number up to a million people, I know it would help in the long run because that's exponentially more people who are going to be ready to fight for their right to vape.
1: Yep. Well, awesome. Well, um, thanks again for joining me today, Andrew. Um, to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of our Voices of Vapor's podcast series from our podcast. Please go to our, our, go to our website at heartland.org. To learn more about, uh, to learn more about e-cigarettes and um, tobacco harm reduction, please uh, visit our tobacco, uh, alcohol and tobacco page at heartland.org.